Yeah. Oh, bam, we're live. I forgot to take the trash out last night because I was uh, reorganizing the studio. I got a computer back here and the couch set up and some new camera angles were working. I'll show you. I'll show you. Uh, we got, we're going to get, we got this, we got this camera angle working. Right? So over there. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Eagle. Uh, but had to move the microphone, move some monitors, and then forgot to take the trash out. So at 537, my wife's like, hey, did you take the trash out? And, you know, we're, we're both in bed. And I'm like, no. So that's 23 minutes earlier than I normally wake up. And it's like vital, right? That 23 minutes. All that sleep. You don't understand. You don't understand. You're living the cush life over there. You don't understand the importance of sleep. Do you ever sleep through the night? No. Yeah. Those days are over. Hey, you know, you can forget how to sleep. When I had kids, I, I, I forgot how to sleep. Really? Like, yeah, what do you, you mean by that? You, uh, God, I don't know what I, I don't know what I mean by that. That's just, why are you asking the Would hard just, question? Like it's hard for you to fall asleep? Like you couldn't just like get yourself to sleep? Not fall asleep, I guess. Uh, but I've, I, you have this habit to be just on like super alert. Oh, I guess like I don't like, like, like I don't like to have the, like if the heater goes on in the middle of the night, I wake up. Yeah. Anything, you know I mean? like anything yeah. changes in the sounds that are going on in the room, you're awake. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wonder if when you get back home, if you'll have to like, and it was just because we had babies, because you're always like on alert. I wonder if you're going to get back home and you, you will have forgotten. I feel like I definitely will not sleep as much as I used to. <laughs> I left. Yeah. I think before I left, I was sleeping like eight, nine hours a night. Now I'm like lucky if I get six. Yeah, exactly. I, I, for, I forced myself to uh, nap. I just force myself. I'm like, like if I start to get tired and I start, what I'll do is I'll start eating when I'm tired in the middle of the day, mm. like, like, like nuts and Snacking. stuff. Yeah. I start eating just shit loads of nuts until I don't feel good. So I've, I've been telling myself, I mean, this has been going on for years now, but then I'll tell myself, Hey, just go lie down. And if, when you get up, you still want to eat, you can eat. Yeah. Like a 20 minute nap. Quick yeah, reset. exactly. And I set my alarm for 21 minutes to force myself to like my, for some reason that puts some pressure on me that for I fall asleep faster. If mm -hmm. I don't set that alarm, I'll lie there and I'll, and I'll just like entertain thoughts. But mm -hmm. if I know I only have a 21 minute window and I give myself that one minute, that's like to lie down, take my socks off, organize the pillows. I push smash a pillow on each side of my head. So it plugs my ears. And then I put mm -hmm. an eye pillow on It's incredible. If you put a pillow on either side of your head, how much sound it muffles. Incredible. I always have the issue that like it starts making my, like I can hear my heartbeat, and then yeah, I'm yeah, like, I yep, and then I, I can't can like, that, that won't let me fall asleep. Yeah, I hear and uh, feel my heartbeat. It, it lulls me. It lulls me to sleep because I just listen to my heartbeat. Excuse me, Zeke. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, awesome. Great to meet you, brother. Thanks for doing this. No, no problem. Thanks for having me on. I'm. Uh, I'm also, um, I, I can't tell if I, I can't tell if I'm, if I should clean my ears or not. Do you use Q-tips, Zeke? I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually addicted there, to them. 
Yeah, they're addicting, right? Yeah. I'm trying to break the habit because it doesn't make sense to me that, it, like, I'm like, am I pushing the shit in or am I getting taking stuff out? And no, I love man. it when I, I love it when I get wax on them. I look at them. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah, I think there's actually like a bona fide Q-tip addiction. Yeah, it's a nice feeling, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah it's affection. It's affection for your ears. Like half the time, you don't even care if you get wax on the end of them. You're just like, this right. is wonderful. <laughs> right. Um, do you do both at the same time or one at a time? No, you got to save her one year at a time. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear you say that because a friend of mine told me I wasn't being efficient by doing one at a time. So I started doing both. And recently I switched to just doing one for that same reason. Like, yo, dude, chill. Yeah, it's it's, it's Q-tips. You don't have to be efficient. <laughs> it's an indulgence. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, a, it's an indulgence. Chill. Your wife wasn't, doesn't want you to be quick. Why would your ears want you to be quick? <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's actually a great point. Right? <laughs> that's actually a great point. It's a similar, similar uh, event. Uh, Caleb uh, is deployed overseas in an undisclosed location. And Zeke is in the city of New York. New York City. Wow, you're in a trippy spot to have your mindset, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm. I'm a. Uh, I'm a red dot in a blue city. And and you are a police officer, right? But I, I'm actually all through the state. I just happen to be based in uh, in around the city area. And, and and what does that mean? Like in California, we have something called California Highway Patrol, or I guess maybe we have sheriff. And are you a marshal? No, I, 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 well, for just to protect myself, I can't really name my, uh, my organization, but, uh, yeah, we work all through the city. Yeah. All and through you, the city and all through the state. And you, you, when you say police officer, for those of us who are ignorant to it, meaning you went to a police academy, you can write tickets, you have a gun, you have a car with the lights on top. Absolutely. Don't write anymore. I say, say that last thing again, you broke up. I don't do much ticket writing anymore. That's okay. just uh, not, not, I've never been fond of that. And uh, I'm at, thankfully in a place where I don't have to do it anymore. So I'm, I'm happy for that. Uh, you wear a bulletproof vest. I do. You apprehend bad guys. Yes. Okay. I had to come up with a couple other things since you uh, weren't wearing, giving tickets. I needed to give you a few more uh, tests. <laughs> um. Zeke, where were you? Where were you born? By the way, I want to say this too. By the way, I, I found you because I interviewed uh, Xavier Derosa on my podcast, who I know you're very yes. fond of, and Absolutely. he works he works out at a CrossFit gym about 90 miles north of me, where the executive producer of this show also works out and owns that gym. And uh, when I was researching him, I came across you, and I'm like, oh, I got to get Zeke Arkham on. Yeah, Xavier's actually a great guy. We we sort of just ran into each other by mistake, and I interviewed him on my podcast, which you see right there. And he's, he's got a lot to say. He's got a lot of information and he and I hit it off pretty quickly. So, uh, yeah, I'm actually pretty fond of Xavier and uh, I wish him all the best. Yeah. Um, I, I love hearing the journey and I, and I can't wait to hear your journey of how you got to, um, th that rock between uh, your ears, how you got your rock and my rock, how they, how they've come to think the same way. And if you were always um, like that, uh, especially living in New York and I'm in California and we're in, and I'm in Santa Cruz, California. So we're in two places where 
um, it, it, it's not the popular way to perceive the world. Oh, no, not, no. Um, well, actually, I was born in Queens, New York. Uh, I was born right around where, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Coming to America, yep. I, was, I was born right in that area. Okay. And, you know, I, I didn't come from conservative people. You know, my, my mother uh, was a strict Democrat. Me too. My, my father was actually a, uh, a uh, what do you call him, a, a black Israelite. Okay. Well, I don't know. What is that? He's a Jew? Uh, well, if, if you ever, my wife's one of those, I got three little Jewish boys. I'm Armenian, (laughs) but I got three little Jewish boys. I get, no, my father, uh, uh, he was very militant. You could say sort of like, uh, uh, yeah, black Hebrew Israelites. They're, uh, they, they are very militant. They're actually very racist. They don't like anyone who, who isn't one of them. So I grew up hearing all kinds of lectures about how, you know, I, I'm I'm African, and how I uh, I'm descended from kings, and I'm descended <laughs> descended from uh, royalty and things like that. So I grew up with the exact opposite of my mindset. Now I actually didn't achieve this mindset until I started doing more research into what was right and what was wrong. You know, uh, I, I grew up thinking that cops killed black men just yeah. for sport, just killed randomly killed them. And I started doing research into what the actual numbers were. And I was shocked. I thought the research was incorrect. I said, it can't be that they only, you know, only 20 unarmed black people were killed this year or, or, you know, 17 and numbers are going down. I, I looked for research to uphold my end of what I thought, my end of the opinion. And I was wrong each and every single time. So I started thinking if I'm wrong about this, what else am I wrong about? Mm. And uh, like like Xavier, I red pilled myself. You know, the more I started looking into research, and the more I started reading, and the more I started looking at different authors like Thomas Sowell, mm. I, I found myself being corrected over and over and over again. And then I, I joined up uh, the police force, and I started hanging out with other guys who who were conservatives, and they said, "Well, why don't you look into this? Why don't you look into these facts?" And they were right each and every single time. You know, I originally joined the police force because I wanted to bring it down. You know, I wanted to expose all the racism and corruption from the inside. And I wound up, you know, just becoming more of a, a of a cop supporter and a cop activist, even though I, I hate that word, more of a cop activist. And that's how I got to where I am now. So you you had that um, uh, and, and you still have it in, in some respects. Um you you weren't you your dad one thing that your dad did impart to you is that you're not afraid of confrontation and i don't know if militant's the right word but you went in as basically a double agent you were so committed to that way that hey i'm going to go in here and uh, and 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 wreak havoc and instead yeah. and instead you said you looked around and you're like wow none of that shit that they told me that was going to be here well i shouldn't say none of it it's not the way they said it was going to be in here no not at all I, I was expecting to see corruption, uh, you know, widespread corruption. You know, the, the main thing that the BLM crowd always says is, why aren't the good cops turning into bad cops? Excuse me. And I expected to see all kinds of corruption going on, you know, bad cops plotting their nefarious schemes, you know, while the good cops just kind of cowered in the corner and said, you know, we can't say anything. And and it's, it's not like that at all. Matter of fact, when cops find out, about corruption is usually through the same means as everyone else, the news. It could be someone that we're working with. 
and we'll find we'll read the news article. And we'll we'll all come in the next day like, hey, did you hear what happened to this guy? You know, did you? Wow, I had no idea. You know, so so there's a lot going on behind the scenes that the public doesn't know about. But because of sensationalism, like you know, you watch Law and Order or you watch you know this cop show, it makes it seem like the bad cops are just openly planning and plotting their schemes. You know, it's it's not like that at all. So the more I started doing research, the more I started just, you know, looking into law enforcement and hanging out with law enforcement and seeing what they're doing and seeing what actually happens behind the scenes. You know, not not the drama, not not the stories that you hear, but just what actually happens. I, like I said, I, I, I got red pilled just from the truth. Was it scary as you started to get uh, red pilled? Um did you have moments where you like, like you felt like the ground was coming out from underneath you? Like, uh oh, what's going on here? It 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 wasn't so much scary. It just made me more sad, I guess, because there's so much disinformation, you know, going on in in black communities and just in communities in general. You know, you've got all these activists, you know, BLM, defund the police, who they don't live in these neighborhoods, or if they do. They directly benefit from something like defund the police. They directly benefit from an anti-cop mentality. And there's so much disinformation going on. You know, like I said, my, my father was a, a black Hebrew Israelite, so he hated the cops. You know, I, I grew up thinking that cops uh, uh, just wanted to kill me just because of the color of my skin. You know, my, my, my grandmother wasn't educated, my father's mother. So she had a whole lot of dis- disinformation that she just spread out wantonly. Uh, you know, my mother was a, a Democrat voter because she thought that's how she had to vote. Uh, my grandfather was a little bit more conservative. My grandfather was actually in law enforcement. So was my uncle. So wow. Were, Your dad's yeah. dad was in law enforcement. My No, my, my mother's father oh, okay. was in law enforcement. And my uncle, my mother's brother, was in law enforcement. So they were a little bit more conservative as far as being able to see what happened. But, you know, and what's the truth of what's going on out there? But but I grew up with this mentality because my father, who wasn't really around, but he, when he was there, he, he made sure he preached to us. Uh, but I grew up with this mentality that law enforcement was against us. And it was, it's the exact opposite. You know, there's a story I always tell where I went out to a family meeting and my great grandfather, who grew up in 1920s North Carolina, who actually experienced racism. And, and, you know, experienced the Klan and experienced, you know, lynchings and things like that. He he had very much more of a conservative attitude, what would be today could be considered conservative. And I remember I met this family reunion and I'm, I'm thinking I'm schooling him. You know, I'm, I'm fresh out of college. I'm, I think I'm dropping all kinds of facts and truth bombs on him. And uh, he, he stopped me. And he said, uh, always be the last person in the room to call something racist. So that when you do, it means more. He said, because the more you use that word, the more you cheapen it. And he had he had to be about 90 years old at this time. And he just stopped me right there. And then he went back to talking about whatever he was talking about. And I was I was so angry and pissed off about that. You know, I went home and I'm thinking, who is he to tell me? You know, I'm I'm college educated. I just I just graduated. And then the voice in the back of my mind went, hey, dummy. He experienced bona fide racism. He experienced the Klan on horseback. He experienced seeing his friends being lynched. And you think you're going to school him on racism? 
so I guess maybe that was the uh, the start of my more conservative journey because I, I stopped calling everything racist immediately after that. But um, yeah, that was that's kind of just my family background and history, and and I guess how I got to where I am today. And it has been completely cheapened. The term everything, oh, yeah. every everything. I mean, I mean, I saw you yesterday working out, um, uh, doing white supremacist uh, shit. <laughs> I saw you doing. I saw you doing bar dips. You know that same newspaper, the New York Times, also posted a couple days ago uh, in their op-ed that um, you should mate with shorter guys to help the environment because uh, your kids will then consume less resources. Did you see that? I didn't, but I did read the article about uh, the white supremacist roots yeah. of of working out and fitness and exercise. And everything was speculation. There were no real facts in there. Everything was, you know, everything was, of course. all you're doing is oppressing this and oppressing that. Completely woke article. I, I think I got about three quarters through it before I just, I couldn't take it anymore. And I was like, this is so dumb. And I feel my brain cells dying just reading this article. We, so two, two things I'd like to add to there. Who cares if uh, Hitler invented working out? Who cares? And of course, people who are work out are going to be more conservative because one of the tenets of being more conservative is personal accountability and personal responsibility, which in which in the end helps everyone around you because you can help more people and you're less reliant on other people. The most helpful people in the world are the healthy, fit people. I've never seen an obese um, uh, person help someone across the street. I've never seen an obese person walk up and help some lady put uh, old lady put groceries into her uh, the back of her uh, car. I've never seen an obese obese person save a baby from a burning building. It, it is it is complete insanity. I, I had a guest on uh, Zeke uh, um, named Sam Apple. He was the author of a book. Um, um, I, I forget the name of it, but it was about Otto Warburg. And Otto Warburg was a homosexual Jew living in Nazi Germany in the 40s. He won two Nobel Prizes. He was the father of photosynthesis, and he was on the cusp of curing cancer. And Hitler was terrified of getting cancer. One of his goals was when he took over Ukraine. Oh, uh, Ravenous, yes. The reason why they call the book Ravenous is he's the one who discovered that cancer cells consume sugar at a ravenous rate. And still to this wow. day, we inject sugar into people's blood. And if we see a part of their body that's consumed, the cells are consuming a lot of sugar, that's where we know the cancer is. Well, are, are we going to throw out all of this man's research because it was funded by Hitler? I mean, it's just fucking uh, – everyone knows Hitler was a despicable man, but we, we – who cares? I, by the way, obviously, fitness is doesn't have its roots in, in white supremacy. But even if it did, who gave a fuck? Like, that's not the uh, it, it's totally misleading. It, well, it, it's, uh, well, I mean, Volkswagen is still a car company, a very popular car company. And, and we know their are, roots. Yeah. People aren't apologizing for buying Volkswagens. So <laughs> IBM, IBM was yeah. the company used to, uh, you know, collect and categorize the Jews before you could before you whack them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, you know, using using uh, Godwin's law to try to demonize fitness. Now, I'm also seeing how how there are more obese people are saying that obesity and racism are are paired together. I saw an article about that the other day. You know, you can't call someone an obese. Lots of articles now on that. Yeah, and it, and it's like why. Why is there this movement now to accept fat people? Why is there this movement now where you have to love fat people? You know, if you look at uh, this chick Lizzo, 
and you're and you're not you know falling in love with her beauty, you're you're somehow a bigot now. You know, you don't have a, a personal preference now anymore. You have to say fat people are beautiful. I disagree. You know, there's 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 so many health complications with being fat. Oh yeah, there she, there she goes. <laughs> there's so many health complications with being fat. Why aren't we addressing this? Why aren't we? You know, she's it? on medication. By the way, I, I, there are some fat girls that um, uh, uh, are very appealing, but uh, in, my, in my opinion. But that being said, they're they're absolutely unhealthy to oh, to the yeah. T. I mean, she's clearly on medication. I guarantee you she takes pills every morning. Oh, probably. But again, if, if you're not declaring her beauty and saying how wonderful she is, and even saying that she's healthy, you're a bigot. Like, how did we get here? Um, there was this when, when that term systemic racism was going around, there was a lot of people pushing back saying there's no such thing as systemic racism. There's no such thing as systemic racism. And I want to show you uh, what I think is systemic racism. This is CNN reporting healthy teenager took precautions, died suddenly of COVID-19. This boy is so fat that his ears are pushed back into his head. He's probably a uh, 200 pounds overweight. And I think this is I think this is systemic racism because it's signaling people with melanated skin that being obese is okay. And, and and it's the irony is there is is the systemic racism is the is is coming from the people who say there's systemic racism just to say there's systemic racism that and it's the paradox of what I'm saying is making systemic racism real. Did you kind of feel where I'm going? It's it's a, it's a bit of a brain twister. Healthy teenager who took precautions died suddenly of COVID nineteen. There's nothing healthy about him. Not one no. thing. He was going to die next week of uh, a heart attack anyway. Well, I've I've always said uh, if if I ever want to experience true racism, I'll simply tell a white liberal that I'm a black conservative and they will be way more racist to me than than anything. You know, just even on my Twitter page uh, and, and Xavier said the exact same thing. I get DMs daily of someone calling me the N word or calling me a coon or calling me an Uncle Tom just because of my my view right. D- daily daily either either in my either in my dms or they'll they'll put it in the comments somewhere but you know and i've, and I've always said you know you've got people like joe biden who says something racist o- almost on a weekly basis yes uh, yes <laughs> yes he does how come they don't see that well that was that, i was going to say that like you know they excuse his racism and they excuse you know all the stuff he says, and but but and then you've got me calling it out. Yeah, but, but I'm the coon. I'm the Uncle Tom. You know, I, I'm the one that Harriet Tubman would have shot. Meanwhile, I'm saying, listen, this is racist. He, he's saying this. He's saying the quiet parts out loud. Like I said in this post, he's not. He's not even hiding it anymore. None of them are. You know, when you when you've got you know white liberals that go around going, oh, you know, black people, they can't get ID. You know, they can't, you know, like Joe, or like Joe Biden said, they're not smart enough to be able to to use the computer the right way. I'm calling this out, you know, but but it's excused by, quote unquote, black leaders just because they think he's going to do something for them. You know, we're, we're approaching one hundred billion dollars that we've given, excuse me, that he's given Ukraine now. 
he hasn't done a thing for any black community. BLM hasn't done a thing for any black community. Yet you've got these quote unquote black leaders who continue to support both of these. They support Biden. They support BLM. Why? But that's, you know, that's what I'm saying. It makes me kind of sad because there's so much disinformation and people want to keep themselves asleep. You know, everybody wants to say, oh, I'm woke. No, you're not woke. You're asleep. You're putting your head down and you're willfully ignorant. And that's the biggest tragedy of it all. Um, I, I was raised in the Bay Area. And the the thing is, what the Democrats here tell themselves is, is that they're being nice. So and they and they couch it in that they're being nice and that they're being helpful. Oh, these poor uh, Latinos, they need our help. Um, we need to in these poor melanated people, they need our help and we need affirmative action so more of them can get into college. Now, let's say that were true. Don't call it. The, the mistake is that they call it affirmative action. Be like, hey, we're going to be racist. We're going to take some seats away from the white people and we're going to save them for people with darker skin. Like at least it would be honest and we could all make a fair opinion, but instead they couch it all and they're being nice. The same thing is true with the gender affirmation. Oh, the seven-year-old wants to cut off his penis. Let, let's do Let's give them what they want. There's no contextualizing. There's no risk assessment. No, nothing is being put in, in, in place to, uh, to be honest about, What's going on? It, it, I, I don't know. that. I really do think that's what the Democrats think, be, being that I was raised with those people. They think that they're being nice. And the second you call them out on their being nice as being racist, um, they become militant. They just go on the attack. Well, I, I've said that. You know, Listen, I, I grew up in a one-bedroom apartment in the middle of a crime-ridden neighborhood. Siblings? Yeah, I had two younger brothers. And, um, you know, it was basically my mom doing everything because my father decided that uh, fatherhood was a, was a part-time job at best. Mm -hmm. So my mom uh, uh, had to work, you know, while she was still trying to take care of us and go to school and hold down a, uh, a full-time job, still came home and took care of us and, and tried to, as best she could, to try to move us out of that neighborhood. Um, I went from that to owning my own home, having my own family. Uh, you know, my, my daughter goes to a school where she's, she's learning how to read better than I ever did growing up. So there's progress. There's a lot of forward progress going on. I don't need anyone's help. I don't need anyone to treat me like I'm their pet. I don't need anyone to look at me and feel sorry for me or my circumstances or what I went through or how I grew up. I'm taking care of it on my own. Uh, you know, Frederick Douglass, was one of the first people to say, let black folks stand on their own. You don't have to help them out. You don't have to treat them like pets. And if they, and if black folk fall, let them fall, but let them get back up also. If Frederick Douglass was saying this back in the 1800s, why do we have woke liberals now saying, oh, I have to help them. We have to help them. We have to use our white privilege to help them. No, leave black folk alone. Let black folks stand on their own. You know, my, I have a seven-year-old daughter. She has congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> She's seven, going on twelve, mm -hmm. but uh, she she doesn't even really know what a penis is yet. All she knows is she plays with her friends. You know, they they run around and and they have fun with each other. They're not thinking sexually. It's all adults putting this on children. 
hundred percent. It's, it's, it's all adults dragging them. So this uh, dragging them, no pun intended to drag shows yep. and, and having drag drag Queens gyrate in front of children. You know, uh, when, when did we come to a point where now drag Queens are, are forcing themselves on children and saying, you have to accept this. Why do we have a drag show story hour, you know, directly, targeted towards small children. They're not doing this for teenagers. They're doing this for small children. The indoctrination and the grooming, because I say it, grooming, the grooming is happening. And unless we fight back against this as parents, as adults, as conservatives, it's going to get much worse. It's it's and it's a misnomer. Uh, two things going back to what you were saying at first. The problem isn't so much that people are trying to help uh, black people. It's that they're not helping them. You're hurting them. It's a it's a it's a misnomer. You're giving, uh, you know, uh, San Francisco has universal basic income for single Islander women, uh, uh, single black women and transgender people, meaning they just get a paycheck no matter what. Wow. They're, they're part of a new program. Yeah. They're not you're not helping anyone do that with anything by giving them uh, a steady income from the government. All you've done is, is make them reliant on the government and not have ambition on their own. Well, uh, Bill de Blasio, the the absolute genius that he is. Sorry for what a horrible man. What a horrible man. Horrible man. Horrible man. I, I could go on and on about him. The but burger horrible. fries thing was insane, by the way. The <laughs> that burger was fries so, thing was insane. That was so cringy. And and I don't know who talked him into that, but they, they need to be fired and banned from ever having any kind of consulting job ever again. But uh he instituted something. We have a school here in New York, uh, Stuyvesant High School, which is a which is a very elite school. It, it's city owned, but it's one of the most elite schools. It's probably the most elite school in the city. And he instituted a program because high so school? many high school, high, Zeke? It's, a, it's okay. a high school. But he instituted a program because so many Asian kids were achieving and coming to the school that he cut off the amount of Asian kids that were getting accepted. And he started putting more black students in there and more Hispanic students in there just to put them in, you know, just just, just that in, in his words, he could uh, Stuyvesant High School could uh, reflect the demographics of the city. So if an Asian kid got a 97, he was cut off. But the, the black kid who got a 75 would be put in. Right. So what started happening was so many black students started dropping out of Stuyvesant High School because they couldn't keep up with the work that it actually pulled down the numbers of the school and their graduation rate and their completion rate. So now you had this elite high school, which was being tarnished because of all the dropouts and all the, all the incompletions in the school. And that's what, that's basically a good uh, uh, example of what woke cult, woke culture and woke activism does. You think you're helping and all you're doing is hurting more and more and more. So these kids who may have not dropped out of a regular high school are now being put into a situation where they're destined for failure because they're not made for that high school. And so then they drop out and where you thought you were going to help, you actually just hurt people and you, and you, and you probably hurt the whole school. Yeah. I mean, because the teacher is going to teach towards the middle of the class. They're not going to teach towards the top tier students and they're definitely not going to teach towards the bottom tier students. They're going to teach towards the middle. And if you've got this kid who barely passed the entrance exam to get into the school and now, you know, the teacher's throwing advanced calculus at him and Latin and everything else that they teach at Stuyvesant. 
you know, this kid's going to fall behind. Reasonably, he's going to fall behind. It's not the kid's fault. He got a 75. You put him in there. You know, so so now he's got to drop out. Now he's got to go to his zoned high school, which he might not want to go to. And all it did was create this giant clusterfuck. And de Blasio thinks he did something great because, oh, I diversified Stuyvesant. No, you didn't. You ruined it. You you brought down the standards of the school. But that's what woke culture is. You're going to bring down the standards of everything just because you want to feel good about yourself. You couldn't care less about the people that you claim to be helping. You want to feel good about yourself. It's your own feel-good moment. And you're ruining everything while doing it just to boost your own ego. And uh, and he used racism. He he used a racist ideology and mindset to do it. He he looked at people based on the color of their skin and the way their eyes are placed on their head. Yeah, it wasn't about achievement. It was like right. you know, it was, it was his own feel good moment. Now he can say, "Oh, I diversified Stuyvesant. Look at that. They now they're up to thirty percent black students." Okay, but if twenty percent of those black students are dropping out because they can't handle a course load, what did you just do? You just raised the dropout, the high school dropout rate or, or the transfer rate for black students. And now you're saying basically indirectly, you're saying these kids couldn't get in on their own. So I had to help them. I had to come in and be their white savior and help them. I mean, like I said, this city, uh, uh, this is probably the city electing him to two terms was, pro- was probably one of the top five worst things that ever happened to this city. And that's not uh, hyperbole or anything else. I'm not exaggerating. It really was at least one of the top five worst things to happen to the city. Uh, this is kind of a, a, a long concept I'm going to try to present to you. But when I grew up in the Bay Area, the worst thing you could call someone after a pedophile was a racist. All the white people in the Bay Area, I was born in 1972, all the white people here were terrified of being racist. They would do anything, include being racist, to avoid being called racist. It was like the worst thing you could call someone. People were terrified of it. They didn't even know how terrified of it, but they acted from that place of fear. How? Now, now here comes the question. How did we get to a place from Martin Luther King, drudge people uh, by their character and not the color of their skin, and having slaves based on the color of their skin, to open war on white people. From, from incl- and, and that's how scared they are. White people will even be racist towards white people to avoid being called racist. Is it stuff? And, and then, and I want to throw this one other thing in there that I saw on your Instagram, which I had never thought of before, and I'm embarrassed I had never thought of it. Why aren't we identify? We're, 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 we're there's certain places that are already paying out reparations. But what if you flip the script, like your guest said, or you said, why aren't we I celebrating the fact that the abolitionists won? And why aren't we identifying with the abolitionists? I'm reading uh, Dinesh D'Souza's book, The Big Lie, and he said in 1860 there were four million slaves and every single one of them was owned by a Republican, that there wasn't a single Democrat who owned a slave in 1860. That's fucking fascinating. Why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we like celebrating the white people because um, in identifying them with abolitionists? Oh, this is the guy. This is fucking brilliant. I do the thing kids will associate more with slave owner guilt than with abolitionist pride. Yeah. Well, here's a simple... Right? Why well, are we celebrating that? 
Well, I, I actually, I, I go on to answer this guy. He and I got into it a little bit. We, we made videos going back and forth to each other, but you don't you, like that idea. Feel free to, to slap me around. Feel free to, am I missing something? No, I, I think we should. I think, but the problem is, it's like you said, you, you've got so much, everyone wants to be the oppressed. Right. We're now, we're now in, in, in a situation where if you're not the oppressor, you're the oppressed, which is classic Marxism. You know, you're, you're either you're either being oppressed or you're the oppressor. There's no middle ground. So everyone wants to be the oppressed because if you're the oppressor, you're the bad guy. It's why you have people like LeBron James always, you know, the guy's a billionaire. But all he ever talks about is how oppressed he is. You know, Jay-Z always talks about how oppressed he is and how much racism he feels. Oprah, all billionaires, but they're all the oppressed. And when you have things like CRT, we are basically making white people feel like they were always part of the problem instead of part of the solution. Of course, you're going to identify more with the slave owners rather than the abolitionists. You're not telling white people that they were the abolitionists. They're not, you're not telling white people that they fought on the side of the Union for the Civil War. You're not telling uh, people about all the, uh, all the abolitionists on the Underground Railroad that helped out or the white people who literally broke the law teaching slaves how to read. You're not, you're not discussing any of that. You're focusing on the dark, evil parts, you know, the slave masters, the slave catchers, the, 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 the field overseers, you know, the Confederacy and what it was founded on as far as uh, the institution of slavery. That's what you're focusing on. So you focus on all of that, but then you expect people, white people, to, to side with the abolitionists or identify and see themselves in the abolitionists. No. You know, in, in law school, the first thing you're always taught is when you're cross-examining someone, you always lead and you try to paint someone into a corner. You try to tell someone, you know, oh, you know, you did this wrong and your, and your questioning leads up to that. And that's what this guy is doing. He's saying, you know, hey, listen, you know, the abolitionists did X, Y, and Z. Why don't you identify with the abolitionists? Why aren't you trying to do things? Because you don't have a chance to. It's the same thing with, with uh, black folk in, in the programming. If you're constantly telling black folk that they're oppressed and they're, they're facing racism from this and they're facing, sing, facing discrimination from, from this and that, they're never going to see themselves as victors. They're never going to see themselves as people who came from slavery and have just as much opportunity as everybody else in 2023. Same thing with uh, 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 abolitionists. You know, you're, you're programming, but then expecting them you're programming them one way and then expect them to see things from another way. I completely agree. See yourselves as the abolitionists. See yourselves as the people who helped gain freedom for literally oppressed people. Don't see yourselves as someone evil just because of what your ancestors might or might not have done. Um, when your dad found out you were going to become a police officer, what was his uh, reaction? Uh, well, uh, he he was out of the picture completely by that point, so I never really had a chance to say anything to him, nor would I, would I have wanted to, just because he and I didn't have that kind of relationship. But um, my my a lot of people on his side of the family, I, I you know I had cousins who stopped talking to me, thought that I had sold out. Uh, but the mo people who were most angry at me, believe it or not, were people I went to college with, again white liberals who I went to college with, who who expected me to do something else. You know, I, I could have been anything else except a cop. You know, I sold out to uh, policing. I sold out to law enforcement. 
they were more angry than anyone else. I lost a lot of friends from college who, who I thought were good people who were now angry at me. But that's, again, that's, that's, you're painting people in a certain, in a certain corner. They're not acting the way you want them to act. So now all of a sudden, here come the knives, here comes the racism, here comes the you sold out, here comes the, you're an uncle Tom, you're this, you're that, which, which I always thought was funny because I was always sort of a rebel who did his own thing. So I guess me, becoming a, a, a cop uh, was the most rebellious thing I could have done as far as uh, my father's side of family is concerned. The the crazy part is when you see things like the LA times calling Larry elder, a white man in blackface. Well, they also just do, openly in their paper. It's like, Holy shit. Well, didn't someone also dress in a, in a gorilla suit and, and throw bananas at him? So but probably. I, yeah. So, I mean, you know, like I said, the, 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 the woke, white leftists are the most racist people I've ever encountered. And, For sure. And, and, you know, as, as we said, racism is not a word that I use lightly, but just from my encounters with them, from my experiences with them, they have the capacity for a lot of racism, especially when you don't act the way you want them to act, or you don't speak the way you, they want you to speak, or you don't think the way they want you to speak. You know, I, I thought that we were done with that. I thought that, that racism, as far as calling someone these names or expecting them to, to be a certain way, was just about over. But they get violently angry. They want to destroy your life because you have the audacity to think outside their parameters. You know, so I always say, you know, if the truth hurts, I'm going to keep bringing the pain and I'm going to keep bringing the truth. And I'm glad I triggered them because hopefully something in the back of their mind will wake up. Uh, even Maya Flores, are you familiar with her down in Southern Texas? Yes. We actually follow each other on Twitter. Awesome. Even, even her, uh, came here as an immigrant. She personally worked in the fields and now they're saying she's not a real, uh, Mexican. She's not a real Latina. Well, of course you're not a real fill in the blank. You know, if, if you, if you go outside of their box, you know, you've got Myra Flores who, if she were anyone else, she would be the biggest success case ever. Instead, they got someone like AOC, who they say is a real Latina, which, you know, Myra Flores' story is much more inspirational than, than AOC's. You know, you've got Dr. Ben Carson, who, who was a high school knucklehead, who was, was destined to go nowhere if he had continued on that path. And the man became a talented uh, a pediatric neurosurgeon you know, performed a surgery that people said was impossible. He's got such an inspiring story. And yet they, they, they go against him hard, they, hard. Poor they Ben. Hate, they hate him. They hate him. Yes. You know, Herman Cain, who, who has a, a very inspiring story. They celebrated when he died, you know, just because to them it, it was, you know, Oh, look, look at that. We proved him wrong. Good. He's dead. I mean, literally celebrated, you know, uh, Clarence Thomas, called him the N-word with a hard R in the end of it, and they were proud to do so. They thought they were making a valid point by doing this to him. So, I mean, you know, they, they go – when you go outside of their box, the racism and the knives and the hate comes out, and they expose themselves over and over and over again. And every time they do it, it just makes me more certain that I'm on the right side. Uh I, I know some people maybe aren't old enough to remember when Clarence Thomas uh, came into office. Uh, 
I, I, there was uh, basically his assistant or his secretary who was extremely, extremely accomplished herself, a fucking amazing woman uh, named Anita Hill, uh, who was also also black. Uh, she basically testified that he was being inappropriate towards her. And there was some famous testimony of uh, him putting a pubic hair on a Coke can and him talking to her about porn. Here's the crazy part. No matter where you stand on that, whether you think Clarence, she was lying, which, which I don't think she was, or you stand with Clarence Thomas, do you remember Joe Biden's stance on it? How he treated Anita yeah. Hill? Do you remember how the fucking Democrats treated Anita Hill? Here was this powerful, young, uh, poised, right? Would you agree with these description I'm giving of, of Anita Hill? Yeah, I, I'm actually old enough to remember that. Yeah, one of the greatest testimonies ever ever in front of Congress. I mean, she was amazing. And the shit that Joe Biden was sitting there yelling at her. Uh it, it, it was it was it was absolutely insane. It was just more of his his um I don't, I don't want to call it racist, but 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 at bare minimum more more of his sexist shit. It was uh it was re- it was really really disappointing. Do do you did you look into that at all? Did you ever watch those hearings with her by any chance? I know. How old are you? I'm forty four. I think I was like eleven or twelve when. Yeah. Uh, when those, my those, my parents you know. watched that stuff, and I saw it. And and and, and obviously, um, they were siding with Anita Hill because they didn't want Clarence Thomas in the Supreme Court. At the end of the day, thank God he got into the Supreme Court. Yeah, I, I, I vague. I mean, I, I remember a lot of the trials. I wasn't really, you know, being twelve years old, I wasn't yeah. really into it. But I remember we we discussed it in school a couple times, and uh, I remember Joe Biden actually going off on Clarence Thomas. I remember that much. He went uh, off on her too in, in in ways that was completely inappropriate. Wow, that that much I did I didn't see. I'll uh, send you the I'll send you the clips afterwards. It was in, it was absolutely insane the way they yelled at her. Oh, definitely, definitely. But I mean, it just, again, it, it just speaks to Biden's mentality. You know, he he's got a history of saying not even questionable things. I mean, just outright. If anyone else were to say it, you'd be like, "Like, dude, like that that was racist." You know, to quote Dave Chappelle, that that was racist. You know, what candidate for presidency goes on a on a show and says, "If you can't figure out if you're going to vote for me or not." You ain't black. Right. And just unapologetically says it. He never apologized. His his campaign staff never, you know, said, well, he didn't mean it like that. You know, never apologized. He said it. And he he was proud of that, of saying it. You know, what what um <clears throat> what sitting president sits there and goes, sits there and goes, uh uh black people can't get ID and they're not they're not smart enough to use a computer. You know, and just, you know, just things he said over and over and over again that no one's checked him on. No one's pulled him aside and said, you know, what you're saying isn't right. Meanwhile, if Trump had said, and I'm not the biggest Trump fan out there. I like Trump. I'm not, you know, I'm not his cheerleader. If Trump had said the exact same words, word for word, he would have been, there would have been public riots in the street. How dare he say that? You know, could you, can you imagine Trump sitting somewhere and saying, if you can't figure out if you're going to vote for me, you ain't black? He would have been dragged through the street. So, I mean, like I said, it's, it just goes to show Biden's history. I, I, the things that Trump did say, I, I understand how the intellectually weak, and, and I know that's uh, uh, I'm setting myself up by saying that and being a little uh, 
aggressive going on the attack. But I think he did say something like, hey, if I had to choose between a Jew and a black man for an accountant, I would choose a Jew. And for me, it's like, yeah, so would all of you. Just like if you had to choose between uh, Zeke and myself to protect you, um, as you as you walk through the hood, you'd pick Zeke. I mean, there's things that are just uh, that, that are that require uh, prejudice and discrimination to get you through life. Just like if I blindfolded you, Zeke, and I told you to walk through the University of California of Riverside, and I'd give you a million dollars if you can guess the ethnicity of the first person you bump into, you would have to say Asian. Because it's like, because it's fucking eighty-seven percent Asian or whatever. It's like, 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 come on, like, let's let's not be um, stupid um, to the sense that, and, and and that may change in twenty years. The 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 vast majority of of, of accountants might be people um, with black skin, and so then it would change. Would you pick a Jew or a black man? Then you would say, I would pick a black man to be accountant. It just so happens that there's a stereotype that's accurate that um, Jews make great accountants and there's a lot of them. Just like my dad came from the Middle East and guess what kind of store he opened? A liquor store. <laughs> like, like, come on. Of course he did. Well, uh, uh, the Jew opens a jewelry store. Um, uh, um, you, you know, the Nigerians, uh, the most successful uh, ethnic group to come to this country currently right now, they have, the, they have, um, they have, I think they have the highest, uh, P, if you had to choose between um, an Armenian and a Nigerian who has a PhD, you choose the Nigerian. They have the highest rate of ethnic minorities with the fucking PhDs or something like that. It's like, dude, like these things aren't, the question might be racist. The answer isn't racist. You, you know what I'm saying? Well, uh, Family Guy is one of my favorite shows. Oh, so good, right? So and, good. And they had a scene on there. Where uh, uh, Peter Griffin is a, a substitute teacher teaching a class. And he goes, well, I'm going to have a math tutor come in here and a driver's ed instructor come in here and help you guys out. And an Asian guy and a black guy comes in. So Peter says to the Asian guy, okay, so I guess you'll be teaching the math and uh, the black guy behind you will be doing driver's ed. <laughs> and the, Asian guy, the Asian guy goes, uh, well, no, I'm the driver's ed instructor. And Peter goes, wait, what? <laughs> he goes, so he look, points to the black guy. He goes, and I guess you're the math tutor. And uh, the black guy goes, yeah. And he goes, wow, hey, would you look at that? <laughs> so, awesome. One of my favorite scenes. I just think it's hysterical. Yeah. I, I Every time I go to L.A., which I never will go ever again, and I get an Uber driver, Uber, Uber driver, they're Armenian. It's just the way it's just it's OK. It's OK. Everyone needs to chill. It's OK. They're actually mostly uh, Indian here in, in New York City. Right, right. And in D.C., there's something else. In D.C., there's um, like they're Syrian or something. It's a trip. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and hey, and you know what? That Indian, that Armenian guy who's who's your Uber driver in L.A., he has four other cars working, too. Oh, okay. you know, yeah. You know, you, you know what I mean? And same with the Indian guy, I'm sure, in New York. They're hustling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite movies is Tropic Thunder. And I, I remember, don't remember it too well. That's with uh, uh, Ju Downey Jr. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Who, who every time I see him perform that, it cracks me up. But uh, and Ben Stiller and Ben Stiller, right? But uh, they did an interview recently, and they said, "Would that same movie be made today?" And you know, in 2022, last year, and uh, every actor said, "No, we wouldn't be able to make that movie today because of woke culture between." You know, just apologizing for everything. You know, be, you know, you have to tiptoe around people's feelings. You know, my, my why? Favorite... What's in the movie? What's in the movie? 
I don't remember the movie. I just remember it was, I, I couldn't, I, it was, it was like over the top comedy. Yeah, he, I just remember, he, he's right? laughing, he knows. <laughs> what, what was in the movie? Robert pull, Downey. Pull up, the, pull up the something. Robert, Robert Downey Jr. plays a black guy in the movie. Oh, no shit. Yeah. That probably went completely over my head. But I mean, but he does such a great, to me, he did such a great job. And I laugh every time I see it. Yeah. See, he's right there. You know, <laughs> he did such a. Oh, like, shit. Wow, that's amazing. That's that's Robert. Yeah, but I mean, wow. but he, he the movie makes a, a good sort of sole point about white actors playing different races. You know, so he's such a you know in the movie in this movie he's such a he's such a method and character actor that they cast him as a black guy and here he is playing a black guy. You know, people, is it supposed just, to be absurd in the movie too? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's all satire. Yeah, it's, it's satire. He's 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 definitely he's a white guy in the movie. But he's a white guy playing a black guy. You know, I'm the oh dude. god, I gotta I'm see that. Disguised as another dude. Exactly. Yeah, it's such a good movie, but it wouldn't be able to be made today because everyone is they tiptoe over everyone's feelings and you know they're just complaining about Avatar. Yeah, they're... I actually I mentioned that. What's the complaint of Avatar? Everyone's blue in that. It does not get you a pass on everyone. Shouldn't everyone white be happy? People, white people playing indigenous characters. Indigenous to where? Exactly. <laughs> They're aliens. Are you fucking kidding me? Not joking. I'm not. Yeah, no. It's, it's actually like like a real thing where they're saying that uh, uh, Avatar is is hidden racism now. No. So is that what critical race theory is when you view the world and you view everything through the lens of uh, you, you are racist and so you view yeah. the whole world as everything is racist? Like you walk into Whole Foods and you're like, OK, 13 percent of the or 16 percent of the United States is black and there's 10 lanes here. So that means two 1.6 lanes need uh, <laughs> black checkers. Is, is that what critical race theory is? But yeah, basically, it is. It's you're just doing that everywhere. It's, it's basically just viewing everything everything through a lens of race. Like I, I kid you not, my father would actually he he was one of the I, I you know he sort aren't of we one race? race? Are we using the word race wrong? Sorry to interrupt you, Zeke. What? what? No, no, it, 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 it's right. They're uh, yeah, like you see here, they're uh, they're upset because this this uh, indigenous tribe in the movie has a couple of white people voicing it. So they think that uh, that's somehow racist. Shouldn't they be happy? Their voices, accents, and actions, mannerisms, visually through the motion capture technology further reinforce the idea that Navy are based on people of color. Despite being the residents of Pandora, the Navy only exists to further the plot that is central to the Oh, wow. And this is going back to the Biden comment. Yeah, honestly, because basically, like, if you have certain mannerisms, one of them is to only vote Democrat. You have to have all these mannerisms to be black. Honestly, I, I watched the first movie. Uh huh. Uh, at no point in my mind I ever think that that only native or black people or brown people or whatever should be voicing them. I saw the movie. I saw they were blue. To me, they look more like cats than anything. Yeah. And and at no point do I ever think race or, or you know, but you've got this now this woke crowd who who they see race in everything. You know, like I said, my father. <laughs> this is crazy. This is fucking nuts. My, my, my father, 
was one of those types that saw a race and everything. And he would like, we would go, I would go to the supermarket and he would point out the hidden racism in different things. Like he'd look at Cocoa Puffs and be like, you know, you see that cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. They're trying to tell you that if you're brown, you're crazy. You know, like he would see stuff like that. And I would look at him like, okay, but I, I just want some Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> you know? like right. He would, he would say crazy shit like that, but that's what we've got now. And people are serious about it. Um, uh, we're all descendants of Noah. Was Noah black? I, I think so. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> all right, fine. Noah. But that's where we are in today's culture. Um, when when uh when I hear stories of people being pulled over, another thing is is I hear stories about people being pulled over. I was pulled over a lot as a kid. I uh, grew up in the Bay Area. I had the four fifteens in the back of my uh, Volkswagen uh, Rabbit, and uh, I grew up on uh, lots and lots of NWA, playing my music as loud as I could, and uh, with on the cassette. And um, I was pulled over a shitload of times, a shitload of times. And as long as I was, well, that's not true. Sometimes even when I was nice to the police, they weren't nice to me, but it didn't matter. I knew, I knew the routine, turn your car off, put your keys on the dash, turn the dome light on and hold the steering wheel. Right. And I feel like everyone knew that. And yet there's this, um, well, first of all, all the videos I see of shit that goes wrong with cops, that's not what people are doing. No. The cop comes up to the window and they just start talking shit to this dude all the time. They got the girlfriend in the seat over holding a cell phone. The guy's yelling at him, why'd you pull me over? And and and, and the confrontations, they never seem to start um, with two uh, dignified people. Do you still get pulled over being a cop? I do. I actually told a story uh, a week or two ago about how I got pulled over. You know, I'm coming home, you know. Well, before that, I took my daughter to Taco Bell for for lunch. She's now for, a former favorite of mine. A former favorite of mine back in the day when I smoked weed. Yeah, I, I actually can't stand it now. But I took her to Taco Bell for lunch. And I ordered uh, something bad for dad. myself. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm guilty of some bad shit too. But um, I came. I worked out at the gym. And I'm coming home, and all of a sudden, I started losing the battle. Like that Taco Bell was getting the best of me. I hear so, you. so I started speeding, and I got pulled over by a highway cop and uh the worst the worst the california highway patrol those son of a bitches <laughs> so I, I pull over and i you know listen i was a gentleman to the cop and the cop was a gentleman back to me you know i, I showed my uh my i gave my uh, my driver's license and insurance i told him my little story he started laughing and then i identified myself as being law enforcement i said oh and by the way i'm in law enforcement he goes hey you know why didn't you say so in the first place don't worry about it. Here you go. But I said, you know, I said, hey, listen, according to the liberal media. You told him this? No, I didn't. Well, yeah, I told him that I was losing a Taco Bell battle. Yeah. Oh, but did you give him the lecture afterward? Was he a white cop? Yeah, he was a white cop. No, I, I didn't give him the lecture afterward. You didn't say, I, hey, I, thanks for not shooting me? No. <laughs> but I said, you know, I went home and I posted. I, I said, listen, according to the liberal media, here I am. I'm six foot two. I weigh 260 pounds. Damn. I, I, I'm heavily muscled. I like that post says I'm heavily muscled. I'm a black man with tattoos, uh-huh. a shaved head, a beard. Well, at the time I had a beard. Now I got like a five o'clock shadow. But uh, I said, according to the liberal media, I should be dead. The cop should have shot me on sight. But he didn't. 
because I was a gentleman to him and he was a gentleman back to me. Why aren't we pushing that narrative more than the whole fear mongering? Cops want to shoot you if you're black. Cops want to beat you up if you're black. You know, cops want to, are looking to, you know, they're in fear for their lives and just want to take you to jail and, and throw you a beating while they're taking you to jail and the system is rigged against you. Why aren't we telling stories more like mine, which are the overwhelming majority, rather than these small minority of sideways jobs, where usually it's because the person being pulled over is being a complete asshole to the cops. Complete why telling, asshole. Why aren't we telling more of those stories? Um, I, I did a ride along in Fremont, California one time, and I could not believe the way people treated uh, this this cop I was with. I could not fucking believe the way people treat them when when you pull someone over. Oh, it like happens. It, yeah, it's nuts. You, you, have you ever have you ever pulled someone black over and, and they just come straight at you just with the with the Uncle Tom stuff? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, like you're working for the wrong team. Yeah, I mean, uh, there there was a time when uh, my team was more. We were looking for someone in a certain type of car, and uh, we just happened to see that kind of car. So we do a car stop. We pull the person over, and I approach the vehicle. And I mean, before I even got a chance to say anything, this person's on me. Oh, you pulled me over because I'm black. You pulled me over because you're part of a racist institution. And I'm looking at them like, yeah, I'm black too, dummy. <laughs> you know, yeah. like what? And and finally, when, by the time he calmed down, I was able to say, hey, listen, you're not the person we're looking for. We're, just, we're looking for someone in the same type of car as you, but I can see it's not you. You're you know? a carist, not a racist. Yeah, your, your car, your, 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 we pulled you over for a completely legal reason. And, and, but he still, he wouldn't back off his side of the story. You know, this is why you pulled me over and you're part of an institution and you, all you're doing is furthering right, white supremacy. So, I mean, it, it's, and car stops are one of the most dangerous things we do as cops. It Behind. looks so scary when I see you guys do that. The California Highway Patrol has people pulled over at eight o'clock at night on the freeway and it's dark. And I'm like, that poor cop. I feel yeah. so bad from the he has to approach a random car. Yeah, behind domestic jobs, uh, car stops are the most dangerous thing we do. So, so if a cop has a heightened sense of awareness as he's pulling someone over, you you got to give him that. I, I I tell people on the show all the time. Well, especially because I have three kids, so I don't. I, I cops to me are like bees. So there's these bushes in my yard. A couple times a year, they're full of bees. I stay away from those bushes. Those, but those bees are really, really important what they're doing. I also have 100 fruit trees on my property. I need those bees. I need those bees. I stay away from those bushes. I fertilize them. I water them. I need those flowers on those bushes. I need all of that. Every cop I see, I wave to, I smile. If a cop's behind me in line somewhere, I always buy a $10, uh, always, even if I'm hurting for cash, I buy a $10 voucher. And as I walk by him, I say, thank you for his service. Thanks. I know it's coming back. I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I don't, this is going to sound horrible, but like, I don't care what they do to someone who's driving around my neighborhood high on meth and alcohol because I have three kids who ride tricycles in the street. I don't, I don't, I, those people, I have no tolerance for those other people. So once you have something you value in your city, once you care about something more than yourself, you will put a premium on police officers. Trust me, 
for everyone out there. You will put a premium on police officers because your tolerance for anything that could hurt your children will go out the fucking door. Like, like uh, regardless of what happened with George Floyd, if he was driving in my neighborhood, I would hope a satellite from space would have shot a laser at his car and killed him <laughs> because I can't have someone high on fentanyl, meth and alcohol driving around my neighborhood. I can't. Well, I, I, that's what that brings you back to what I was saying about the woke activists. Right. You know, they, they don't live in these neighborhoods. They have no connection to these neighborhoods. They're doing this to feel good about themselves. They right. couldn't care less if crime goes up in these neighborhoods. They couldn't care less if people are getting shot and killed. They couldn't care less if drug dealers are on the corner selling even more drugs now because they feel empowered. They're doing this to feel good about themselves. They're doing this because they want to say, I did this for these people. If it weren't for me, these people wouldn't have this. This is my accomplishment. It's, it's completely selfish. And the more people realize this, the more people wake up to it, the more woke culture and these woke activists will be less relevant. Now they're doing this because they feel empowered. They think they're on the right side of history. You keep hearing that. Oh, I'm on the right side of history. No, you're not. No, you're, you're doing not. this because you want brownie points for yourself. It's completely egotistical. And I just want more people to see it. What, what about the fact that um, after George Floyd happened and there was the whole defund the police movement, which was absolutely fascinating to me and terrifying. What about the fact that they still can't see that um, homicide rates for the black community skyrocketed because police officers were told in almost every city in the United States, stop engaging people. Do not do not engage anyone and only go to calls. I mean, th that's true what I'm saying, right? That was the police officers yeah. in my town were given the order. Do not engage. Zero engagement. And I have police officers. I have friends who are police officers who've told me many stories where during this time period, someone would pass them on the freeway at 85 miles an hour. They would turn the lights on. The person would slow down. They'd see it's a black person and just keep going. Like, fuck well, that. We're not well, yeah. engaging. Now you have cops who, who are hesitant, who are second-guessing themselves, who, who saying, you know what? This isn't worth my pension. I'm not going to get jammed up. I'm not going to get fired for doing my job. You know, so so I heard again, there was a lady in the park. There was a lady with a black uh, black lady with a box knife swinging it around. And my friend said that normally they would have just gone over there and engaged her. They said they parked from fucking 200 feet away and fucking just watched her. No, like, I'm not going over there and she swings the box knife at me and I have to fucking shoot her or hurt her and someone catches it on a cell phone. So they just let her swing a box knife around in public. It, I, I believe it. Yeah, you, that that sounds realistic to you. Yeah, I believe it because you know you 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 have politicians now making law after law against law enforcement and law it's after crazy. law. I mean, here here in New York now, uh, if, if someone is under the age of twelve, as this went into effect on January first, if someone is under the age of twelve, they basically can't be arrested for anything besides murder. So, seeing as how I used to work in gang, I know gangs start recruiting. Very early, they start recruiting around eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So now you've got these gang members who are going to actively recruit even more younger people and are going to, you know, they're going to be holding guns now. They're going to be holding different things now, drugs, different things now, because now the, the criminals know you're not going to arrest them. All we have to do is keep them from shooting someone. All we have to do is keep them from murdering someone. And, and if we keep them from that, they're not going to get arrested. They can't get arrested. So now what have you got? You've got younger criminals out there now. You know, you, you have these, these people, again, it's, it's, it's woke culture. 
You have these they're people, incentivized to recruit younger people now. Yeah. And you've got these people who want this feel good moment. Oh, you know, now you've got 12 year olds who aren't going to get locked up by the big, bad, scary police. You've got these 12 year olds who aren't going to have handcuffs on them and traumatize them for the rest of their lives. You know, cops aren't just going to put handcuffs on a, on a 12 or 11 year old just to do so. They've done something wrong leading up to this. And now all you've done is empowered criminals to recruit younger. And that's what's going to happen. Zeke, you are going to see uh, 15, 10 year olds now run into a Macy's and steal shit. I mean, I mean, Oh, absolutely. You're, I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's like a uh, crazy, I, I don't know what happened in New York city, but in San Francisco, there's some crazy stat in like San Francisco County that like 17 Walgreens or something shut down because they weren't enforcing theft and they couldn't, they couldn't keep the doors open. Oh, it's happening in New York too. Matter They're just fact, shutting I, down. Yeah, I was in a, I was in a, a CVS uh, a week or two ago. Oh, maybe it was CVS. No, it was Walgreens. Walgreens oh. was uh, closing. Oh, down. okay, okay. But the same thing is happening in in New York City as well. Matter of fact, in in I was going to say uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in a CVS and everything is locked up, and you have to get an attendant, even if you want deodorant, if you want shaving cream, everything is locked up, and you have to get an attendant to unlock these items for you and then walk them up to the counter for you. And, and they put them behind the counter. You, know, you basically have to stand there and wait and go, yeah, no, that's my shaving cream. That's my deodorant. How are you know, they, they going to do business like that? At that point, they can't even, I mean, you can't do business like that. They're well, not going to be able that, to make enough money because the employees are going to be, they're, they're trying to protect the goods, but the employees, it's going to be so slow. Oh yeah. I mean, and this is, and I was speaking to the attendant and the attendant said, you know, this is, what we have to do now, because way too many people are running in, stealing a thousand dollars worth of stuff and then running out because they know they're not going to get arrested. They know no one's going to stop them and go after them. So this is what we have to do now. Uh, by the way, I stand corrected. Caleb pulled it up. It was uh, five and one month closed and 10 for uh, 10 for the year. Do, do you th do you think it's cut and clear that the disengagement of police over sort of sort of that two-year time from two, 2020, uh, 2020 to 2022 um, only hurt people uh, who were had lower incomes? It was all the lower-income neighborhoods that all suffered? Oh, absolutely. Because well, I didn't see any crime in my neighborhood, zero. No, and there's no crime, you know, there's no crime in my neighborhood now, but when I go to yeah. work and I, and I ride through some of these neighborhoods who are more lower income, that, that's who's being impacted. When you put criminals back out in the street, they're not coming to my neighborhood. They're not coming to the richer neighborhoods, although they're actually, excuse me, I stand corrected. They're starting to go to the richer neighborhoods because they're starting to figure out, oh, I can do more crime over there. They have more stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's mostly going to impact the lower income communities, which the woke uh, uh, crowd is claiming to care for so much. Well, if you care for them so much, stop making laws and statutes that are directly hurting these neighborhoods. Um, have you ever been to Portland? I have not. But do you, have you watched it from afar? Do you, do you ever see, follow what's going on over there? I mean, there it's really, really, really bad. Oh, no. I have uh, a couple of friends. I've been blessed to be, be able to have friends in different parts of the country now. And, and there's no uh, black people there. That's all just yeah. white. <laughs> that's just all white meth heads. But it's it's it really is zombie land. I just saw a story the other day. Oh, yeah where uh, someone bit off someone else's ear in a, in a, in a robbery. I'm like, well, I told it's like zombie shit. I mean, literally you walk around there and everyone's just jacked on drugs. 
Yeah, I, and, you know, I, these uh, Portland uh, officers I know, there's two of them I know, and they said it's gotten so bad here that they don't, they don't even know how they're going to function day to day just because it's, it's so bad and there's so many laws against cops and there's so many laws protecting criminals and there's so many laws uh, uh, pulling resource, pulling police resources away from things that uh, they're, they're actually having problems recruiting right now. Portland PD, Seattle PD. They're oh, having, I believe it. Who would want to live there? Problems. Yeah, they're having a oh. lot of problems recruiting. A gruesome fight at the last stop of the blue line in Gresham left a 78-year-old man seriously injured with his ear chewed off and his skull exposed. I've been telling you guys for years because I used to go to Portland a lot. It really is like the zombie apocalypse there. There's just there's just people wandering around talking to themselves. The only thing they're not doing is they don't have their hands out like this. <laughs> but they're doing all the other stuff, you know? I mean, you see it as a cop. The yeah. gnashing of the teeth, the heads fucking bobbling around, the, the yelling and screaming at themselves. Oh, yeah. No, it happens here in New York. Uh, if, you, if you go through Times Square, you see open drug use. You see people laying out in the street. It's like, it's like zombies there as well. But instead of actually trying to fix the problem, they want to just put a Band-Aid on it and say, you know, hey, you know we're going to just move. So they're not, they're not really in the public view, but they're still there, you know, and, but then, you know, it gets to a point where it's like, okay, well, when do you get fed up with what's going on? When do you start voting differently? And what and is that going to happen, you think? I don't think so. I mean, you know, here in New York, uh, Kathy Hochul got elected, and she's done a horrible job as governor, and which everybody can see and everybody can recognize. But uh, they didn't vote for Lee Zeldin because he's a Republican, and, and solely because he's a Republican. So, I mean, you know, you have these identity politics going on. And, How and close was it? Is it close at all? It actually was pretty close. Lee Zeldin got a lot closer than a lot of people thought he would. I mean, listen, a lot of people were optimistic about him winning, myself included. But, you know, a Republican running in New York State, he got a lot closer than a lot of people thought he would. And, uh, you know, maybe that's a sign of the tide turning. Maybe that's a sign of more voter engagement. Um, but he, he, he should have won, you know, the, the, the debate in New York showed that he should have won, but he didn't. And so for the next four years, the state screwed. Um, when did you decide to start speaking out publicly and, and were you nervous about your job? Um, well, honestly, I, I never planned to really speak out the way I was doing. I, I just sort of uh, started posting on Twitter and, People started started flocking to what I was saying, and I put a couple of videos up, and and everyone sort of, sort of uh, uh, agreed with what I was saying. I, I mean, as far as my job goes, you know, I, I'm not going to lie; it's always in the back of my head if I'm going to get in trouble for some of the things I say. Not that I'm being hateful, but just no. the fact that I'm not going along with with you know the approved script. You know, I'm 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 not for drag shows for kids right i'm not i'm not for uh gender reassignment for seven-year-olds or, or four-year-olds right. or whatever the age is now you know i i am a christian i i have traditional christian values i'm i'm not going to compromise that for for anything so in the back of my mind does does do i worry about that every now and again sure but uh you know i, I also feel like someone's got to speak out against this because silence 
is 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 nowadays is definitely akin to compliance and, and, and akin to agreement with what's going on. And I don't want to ever be I don't want it ever to be said that that I could have said something and I didn't. The the conundrum here, the irony here is we're not supposed to be judging people by the color of their skin. And yet this team really needs you because of the color of your skin. This well, team being and, – and, and, and is that hard – do you, do you realize that? Do you realize that how scary it is for so many white people and that when they hear – like they may even think that they're going crazy. Like, am I a bad person? I, 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 like, But then they see you speak up and they're like, holy shit, thank you, Zeke. Like you put it into perspective for them and they're like, okay, I get it. Like you yeah. see that role of yours, you're it's so important that you're a black man, and yet that's the thing that you're you're pushing up against that like hey, it doesn't matter what skin color I am. Well, yeah, you know, I, I do have as many DMs as I get uh calling me a coon and an Uncle Tom, I get many more DMs saying, Thank you for speaking out. You're saying what I want to say, but I can't say because I'm a white guy, or you know, yeah. because because I'm I'm not this or I'm not that. But, do you ever but write back to him quit being a pussy? Do you ever just write back quit being a pussy? <laughs> no, I mean, every now and again, I say, you know what? Your voice is just as important. You know, if you're going to have a discussion on racism, you need voices on all sides. You need white voices. You need black voices. If, you know, I'm, I'm one of the people who re- truly wants racism to die. And with that, I'm not going to accept victimhood. I'm not going to accept I can't speak about this because I'm scared. You know, so I tell people, you know, your voice is just as important no matter what color you are. And if I'm speaking out about it and I'm putting my experiences out there, your experiences are just as important. And and more people have started speaking out. And I'm, I'm glad to see that. I also love speaking out about cops and cop experiences just just to take a lot of the mystery out of it. You know, like I said, there's so much disinformation out there. And a lot, a lot of people have said, you know, what, I didn't know this about policing until you said something. I've I've gotten plenty of DMs from cops all across the country saying, "Thank you for for talking about this, because we try to say it and no one's listening to us, but you're saying it and people are listening. Thank you so much for for talking about it." So, you know, like I said, in the back of my mind, am I scared my job's going to come down on me? Sometimes, sure, but but the benefits just from people saying thank you so much uh, uh, make me feel like I'm doing the right thing. Isn't it weird too? Because you are so. At 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 the end, all you want is peace and uh, equanimity, and uh, and 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 people to respect each other's uh, time here on planet Earth. And yet, for some reason, I mean, like you said, nothing that pers- that um, comes across hostile or hate or hating towards me. Nothing, zero. Matter of fact, it's the exact opposite. You came from a. a, a pretty strong militant uh, background with your upbringing and you flip the script and now, and now you're out there helping society and for anyone to think that that would be uh, bad, man, we, we live in, we live in some uh, trippy times. Um, are, are you, are you optimistic? Let me, well, let me go back here. Are, are there any, are there any, sh- what's happening inside um, the democratic party or the Republican party? Do you think that uh, more and more um, black people are, are jumping ship? Like I had a friend the other day who's a hardcore Democrat from West Virginia tell me, hey, you just have to vote Republican now, right? I go, yeah, because he, know, he knows me as a Democrat too. I'm like, yeah, you just have no choice now. He's like, they've just completely lost their minds. I'm like, dude, fucking 
they, they fucking hate kids, dude. It's open war on kids. Like, it doesn't matter. I like, it doesn't matter what the fucking Republicans say. Now you just got to vote for them because they they want to protect kids. Do you yeah. see any any exodus like that in in the black community? I, I think the black community is in a very unfortunate situation right now because you've got the Democrats who take their votes for granted. Yeah. And, you, and you've got the Republicans who don't even try to get the black votes. They feel like it's a waste of time. Really? Yeah. And, and I think that because it, for it, every your voice is so strong right now, it, it, like a black vote is like worth 100 white votes right now, in my opinion. Like it's just where it's just where we are. Well, I think if, if the Republican Party said, "Okay, hey, listen, we're not going to get the black vote over the next election, or maybe even the election after that," well, if we can slowly start turning the tide for us, we can undo what LBJ and the, and the rest of the uh, establishment Democrats did. I, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen over the next week. But if I think if the Republicans made a concerted effort to really reach into black neighborhoods and say, hey, listen, our goals are aligned. You know, you want to protect your children. So do we. You, you want more benefits for the black neighborhoods and communities. So do we. You want more educational opportunities. So do we. Here's how we're going to do it. You, like I said, you're not going to get them all overnight, but you're going to start turning the tide. But. The hand, the arm, the hand has to be extended. And I think that's where a lot of Republicans miss out because they feel like it's a waste of time. They feel like black folk are never going to vote Republican. And so they put their resources elsewhere. And I, I think it's a complete waste of time. I mean, I think it's, excuse me, I think it's a complete travesty that you don't have more big time Republicans saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to reach out. You know, Trump tried. Trump said, you know, hey, listen, black folk. None of this is working for you. What have you got to lose by voting for me? And and you know, maybe that's not the best approach, <laughs> but it was an approach. And I think hey, there needs to be more approaches. What was that cat's name who uh he spoke the um after the um uh after like the state of the union, he would speak to the country. Like there would be like a dis- a, 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 a dissenting opinion and it was a black senator. He was fucking amazing. Bald oh, guy. Tim Scott? Yeah. Yeah, he was fucking amazing. Isn't that isn't that um, whether it was on whether he was chosen for his skin color or not? I have no idea. He was fucking. Did you like him? I thought he was fucking brilliant. Tim Scott's great just for the fact that he exposed Joy Behar's racism. (laughs) That's one of the girls on The View. Yeah. Joy Behar thought she was going to school Tim Scott on racism. And uh, it exposed her own racism. So I thought that was wonderful. So. I I just feel like when I when I when I see people like that in the in the front, I feel like isn't that the hand that's coming out? Isn't that the what that that's not enough? Well, again, the Democrat Party spends so much time taking him down, right? And you know they they'll, they'll employ other black like Larry Elder officials. too. He would have been a great uh, governor of California, and they spent endless amounts of money taking him down. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, like, like like Larry Elder, like Tim Scott, like uh, Ben Carson, they don't want, you know, these uh, uh, black politicians to really start reaching into black neighborhoods and recruiting them. They're going to they're going to protect that. So they spend so much time trying to take these people down that, uh, you know, it's it's 
it's almost like a wasted effort. But, you know, like I said, the Republican Party has to spend more time going after black voters and going into these communities and speaking to them one on one. And, and, and you know, you, you, can, you can show that your views are aligned with theirs, but it's going to take work. Um, recently you made a post, I think it's like within your last 10 posts that basically you were disappointed in the Republican party and you don't view yourself as a Republican. I guess I don't view myself as a Republican either. I view myself more as a, a, a libertarian. Um, what happened? What are you, what are you seeing? You're, you're seeing that just both sides are just corrupt. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I, I'm a, I'm a registered independent. I've always, I always have been, but you know, you're just, you're just seeing, you know, what's going on with Carrie Lake in, in Arizona. Why aren't Republicans raising hell in, in Arizona? You know, there was supposed to be this red wave going on. It turned into a red puddle. Right. You know, why, why wasn't there more of an effort to get good candidates out there? We've got John Fetterman now who can't string two words together as a senator, as a sitting senator. You know, how did this happen? <laughs> how did this happen? How did that happen? You know, uh, Raphael Warnock, who is in a very unlikable candidate. You know, I mean, I mean, and they put Herschel Walker, God bless him, up against Raphael Warnock. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, how, how did all this happen? There was supposed to be a red wave. There was there was there was a good chance of it being a red wave. Biden is such an unpopular president. The midterms should have been a wake up call to the Democrats like, hey, we're going to lose, you know, unless we do something. And instead, the Democrats are empowered. That's why I keep saying, you know, the, the red wave, all it did was empower the Democrats. They feel like what they've been doing is working, which is which is horrible and detrimental for the rest of the country. How this happened? But it's from weak leadership in the Republican Party. It's from it's it's almost from a you know I'm starting to agree now with the whole uni party theory now that uh, you know they're all working together behind the scenes and they're presenting the image and or, or the illusion that there are two separate parties. You know we've got we've got to elect better. We've got to vote better if you're voting Republican. You know, you, you've got to vote for fighters. You've got to vote for patriots. You've got to vote for people who put America first. And instead, you've got people like Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy now who think that we can, you know, just play kumbaya with, uh, you know, the you know socialist or, you know, or vote against the, the, the wishes of their constituents. You know, no, we need fighters. We need patriots. We need people who are going to put America first. We need people who are going to remember that they work for the people, not 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 the other way around. We work for them. So yeah, I'm very disappointed and, and I want to see what we can do to get better candidates out there. Head into my police job now. Catch up with everyone soon. Thanks Jethro. Um, uh, did you, did you see what, ha- are you following this thing with Kevin, Kevin McCarthy? What's going on? Uh, did, wh- he, he moved into the, I saw this morning he moved into the office but yeah. he didn't get the gig yet, so now they're telling him to move out. What happened? Did they ever end up electing anyone yesterday? They didn't, did they? They did didn't. Jim... So it they... continues today. The craziness continues today. It continues today at noon. And so do they... you like do you like Jim Jordan? Yeah, I like Jim Jordan. I like I like anyone who is going to hold the Democrat Party uh, accountable. You know, no more no more billions of dollars to the Ukraine. You know, let them let them sort their problems out. You know, no more pork roll uh, bills going through. 
You know, I, I think they've, you know, in this last trillion dollar bill they put out there, there's millions of dollars going towards, you know, just, just things that we don't need to be funding right now. You know, we're in a recession. You know, we, we're facing inflation. People are still trying to decide whether they want to put gas in their car or buy groceries. You know, why are we sending all these billions of dollars to Ukraine when we could be using that here at home? You know, just just for uh, Zelensky to come here and and lecture us on why we should give him more money. And that was it, crazy. That yeah. was crazy. And how his wife is going on uh, uh, tens of thousands of dollars of spending sprees in, in France, and he's buying his mother a, a million dollar mansion. Why 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 are we giving them all this money? You know, we could use that money here at home. Why why not put America first? You know, so so that's what we as independents, as conservatives, as Republicans need to be voting for. You know, listen, the Democrat Party, they, they're they together. They know we're going to vote with each other. We're going to back each other up. That's that's not happening on the Republican side. And it needs to happen. It needs you know, we need to put better candidates in there. We need to put younger, fresher candidates in there. And we need to do it now. Would you ever run for office? Uh, a lot of people have asked me that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to me, it's a scary proposition. Uh, you know, I, I never say no, but uh, it, it's it's something I, I'd have to really sit with my wife and discuss. And, and if you're going to be president, you better you need to be you got to be mayor first. You better get started. <laughs> it, it's, it's something like I said, it's something I, I'd have to really sit and talk to my wife about and uh, figure out. Yeah, I'll never say no, but uh, it, it, it's a long shot. Um, is it is it at work? Are you the are you the black guy that the white guys can test their stuff out on? Like, like are they a little, like they have these? They see like maybe they've worked with you for five years, and then they see what you're posting on Instagram or Twitter, and then they're like, "Hey, Zeke!" Like, like they want to approach you with some ideas, or like they're trying to figure out where they stand on stuff too. And it, do you see yourself as sort of a a chaperone or a, a bridge sometimes o almost like your own little, like in your fiefdom, you, you have to play Martin Luther King, you know, not, not really. Honestly, no. when, I, when I go to work, uh, a lot of people don't know about my, uh, online presence. I mean, you're, you've been on so many podcasts and, and I've seen so many news shows. Like I couldn't fucking believe how many news shows you've been on. How many times you, I, I, they still don't know, huh? no, I mean, honestly, uh, uh, very few people who know me in, in real life actually follow me. And uh, we all, you know, it's, it's more of a brotherhood when I go to work. We all, you know, bust each other's chops. We're all talking about, you know, our kids play with, with each other, you know, uh, whose, barbecue, whose house we're going to go to for a barbecue. You know, it's, it's much more of a tight-knit brotherhood. It's much more of a, of, of a family just normal okay. stuff. Talk about football. Oh my God. I yeah. saw, you know, my kid, you know, whatever to tell kids, kid horror stories, just shit like that. Yeah. You know, just normal, just normal shit. Our wives you, have a all, you have a life away from this insanity. Yeah. Our wives are all friends with each other. You know, we're all friends with each other. Our children are all friends with each other. You know, uh, one guy, when I, when I was going through training, I had an instructor that said, you become a family. Your kids play with each other. You sit at each other's house. You eat each other's food. You go to sit at each other's table for dinner. They become your family, and you fight for your family. And that's that's what I've been doing online. You know, uh, 
I, I don't know a lot of these cops in different states, but but they're my extended family. So I'm you know I'm gonna fight for them. And when cops are wrong, I'll I'll call it out. And when cops are doing right, I'll call it out. But uh, I'm I'm fighting for cops, and I'm fighting so that we have more of a voice in this world. Man, your community is so lucky to have you. You're a cool dude. Thank are you, you having any more kids? Um, <laughs> my wife and I have one. Uh, that, that's something we discuss a lot. Uh, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. <laughs> um, uh, what do you, what do you think about cell phone for your daughter? How old, how old will your daughter be when you get her cell phone? Uh, 35. No, uh, perfect. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. No, she actually, she has an iPad now. She plays uh-huh. uh, Roblox and, uh, all she does is talk to her friends on Roblox. And then my wife, you know, is always telling her to get off the Roblox and she argues with my wife, you know, but, but, you know, we want to talk to each other. We want to, so she's got her own little social circle already. Um, my, my niece already has a cell phone and she's my, she's my, my daughter's age. Wow. She's a week older than my daughter. So she already has a cell phone. I'm telling Um, you, it is the, it, I, I don't, I don't say this lightly. I'm suspecting that giving a child a cell phone is like giving your child cigarettes, heroin, and, and weed and alcohol. I swear to God. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I think it is I think it is the I'm not saying you can't survive it, but I'm saying it especially for boys, for both. If you could man, I, I I I've been hearing more and more stories about this correlation between kids who are successful and healthy in their mind. And uh, someone just DM me this morning and they said, yeah, basically my, my daughter's 17 years old. She she's completely committed to transitioning to a boy and I fucking completely blame social media. I completely fucking, I mean, she, they said, yeah. And of course she has some mental issues, but I told my kids they couldn't get cell phone until they get a blue belt in jujitsu. That's gotta be like when they're 18, if they're lucky. No, thankfully my daughter has a really good head on her shoulders. And uh-huh. and my wife and I are very involved in everything she does, so uh, we'll be able to head off any uh, any any bad influences. You know, I've, right. always, I've always, you know, I trust we're, you. We're both we're both uh, very involved in her school. We both know who her teacher is. You know, there's no uh, indoctrination going on from from the school or the teacher, so we're happy about that. Uh, Je- thank you for your service, Zeke, and thank you, Sevon, for giving police officers a platform to share their perspectives. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for all your time, Zeke. It's it's great meeting you. Uh, if there's ever anything I can do for you, let me know. You're you're a treasure to uh, humanity into the into this country. So thanks for everything that you're doing, brother. Thanks for having me on. I had a great time. This is a great experience. Awesome. Anytime. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. And run for office. <laughs> Peace. Peace. Thank you. there's got to be more cops like him than not. Right. Like, like he's, he's yeah. got to be the norm. He's just speaking more out. Cops that are pretty similar in their, in his thinking. I, I want, God, I wonder, um, a, a lot of the police officers I'll have on the show before we get on the show, they'll say stuff like, Hey, these are things we can and can't talk about. And he didn't, he didn't even have those rules. And then when I brought up something like, Hey, what do you do? He just said, Hey, I can't give the details on that. Yeah. He seemed pretty willing to discuss a lot, which is cool. Yeah. Nice, uh, nice, nice area. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. 
I'm pretty excited. I think I'm going to use. Um, I think I'm going. I think I'm going to use. Is it? Am I am I looking at this camera now? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm going to use that. I'm going to sw- I'm going to switch it up like this. I'm going to use this camera, and then I'm going to use. Uh, where is that? Oh yeah, this one. This one. This one. So I think this. I think this is what the show is going to look like this afternoon, and then there'll be one more camera. See that? So it'll be like this. I like it. Yeah. God, it took forever to set up last night. I hated moving my office around. Susa helped me. So it'll be like that, like that. I mean, he didn't come over here and help me. He just like he just sat on there. And it'll be like this. And then I could see oh, and I could see the comments over there. So I could pull up the comments if people want to make comments. Perfect. And I'll have my first live guest on the granny couch. I don't think I ever realized that that's like a single couch. I always thought it was longer. Uh, I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know. What do they call that? Like a, Hold on. A let me seat? go. Let me go over there and sit on that, and, and it, I'll tell you. Uh, let me change the audio here to. Um... Okay, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, look at. I'm gonna go over here and sit on it. Oh. Look at two two little Armenian guys can sit here. Okay. Yeah, that's not so bad. Good, right? Two Armenian guys or one tall Mexican guy? Right, right. Oh, you're giving clues. You're giving clues. It's me, dude. (laughs) I'm the live guest. You are. (laughs) All right. Uh, Angle the couch. What do you mean? Oh. Oh, so so, but I'm gonna I'm gonna shift. I'm gonna sit like this. You're saying angle the couch, but I'm uh, staring with clothes on or off. Oh, like that's like the director's couch. <laughs> I know, I know. There's a lot of things I need. There's a lot of things I need. But this is I just was able to put this together just with the shit that I have. Got a little headset over there. I got him with a little microphone on it. I had a couple extra monitors, a laptop, so then he'll be able to see the screen too. I'm excited. I'm nervous as shit though. Yeah, I'll wear pants for this one. And maybe a sweat. I'll probably wear this sweater. Socks too or no socks? Uh, yeah, I'll wear socks. I'll wear socks. I don't want to scare freak Dave out by having him staring at my my feet. The boom mic and Apple computer are in the way, in my useless opinion. I no, no, I agree. Uh, I, oh, you, you mean in this overhead shot? Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> sure, yeah. Box on. And that's not even a computer. Basically, that monitor that you're saying is in the way. I had to put there so I could read the comments. Or else normally it would have been pushed uh, further back and you wouldn't have seen it and uh, been able to see it in the shot. Shot. Your glasses aren't strong enough to read that, that far away? No, no, they're not. It could, al- it could also be El Chapo. Ooh. Nix the chair and sit on a med ball. 
Oh God, here come the ideas. This is going to overwhelm me. Oh, Your face man. is blocked. No, no, I'm, my, I'll do it like this. My, I'll do it like this. And there'll be three shots, right? That, like pretend like um, uh, Caleb is El Chapo. So there'll be this shot, and then there'll be the my guest shot, and then there'll be the me shot. Sit on a med ball. This is just the first iteration. Fuck it. We'll scrap it all. We'll do it over. <laughs> Just get rid of the guest. All right. Don't look down on the guest. I am kind of looking down on the guest, huh? Oh, yeah. This is like a power position. I'm higher. Mm, That's nice. good. I like that. Nice. Yes. You, you Another good guess. Another very good guess. Nicole Carroll. You need to make Dave uncomfortable to give yourself the upper hand like, like a floating <laughs> flood. I just want to get I just want to get I just want to get through this. I just want to get through this. This is just a an experiment. I, I just I just want to get through it. All right. Oh now the wrong camera. Now I'm just all fucked up. How do I cameras are off? Bam. There we go. Okay. Now I'm back at home. Uh, it, it's your second live with the guest, just your first in the studio. And you did the live face. Oh, no. The one at the ranch wasn't live. That was uh, the one at the ranch wasn't uh, live. Because it's new, every I just knew shit. I'm just like I just want to just sit here and look at Caleb. I did. That's it. That's why I'm nervous. I and, and I don't have any friends. No, I'm no one's my friend. You're nervous for every show. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that too. Dave will walk in and immediately go to the higher chair. Dave, who? Hmm, I don't know. Okay. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks, Zeke. And we will see you guys uh, at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, those of you who would like to uh, see the next show. And then tomorrow, we have tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, we have Trish uh, for the affiliate series. And then, wow, Friday's crazy. Friday, we have James Sprague. Sam Dancer and Rich Froning. Oh, I think James and Sam. I think the times are wrong on that. I better double check that. Are you going to wear a mask in the studio? Of course. Uh, later, Sevon. Uh, keep the faith. The Caleb. I'll do my best, Jeff. Thanks. What did I think about the magic of CrossFit video? Oh, I haven't. I wait till you see this. You want to see something crazy, Caleb? Before we sure. go, absolutely crazy. You ready? Listen, yes. uh, this next thing I'm about to show you guys is top secret. Something little, something I've been working on uh, for my own L1 series. You ready? I'm ready. Ha, 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 ha.
Oh shit! <laughs> the 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 magic of the Sevon podcast. I don't. I don't smoke weed. I, that someone took some artistic freedom on that. You have to know that. Uh, Manny Serrano, thanks. Thank you guys. Happy and healthy 2023. Sweet Jesus. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Uh, the joint is a nice touch. Yeah, look at Susa. Oh boy. So we got our own. Um, yeah, I made that on PowerPoint. Yes. Um, so we got our own. Uh, uh, we're going <laughs> gonna pull Stefan out of a top hat. That would actually be a cool animation, right? I present to you Stefan. Bam, we're live. And then yeah, and he pulls me out of a hat, and I say, "Bam, we're live." God, that would be good. Uh, so that's gonna that's that's some of the graphics that uh, Suze has been working on um, for uh, our we're we're doing our own uh, level one magic series, um, yeah. So now now you guys got a little taste of where we're going. Uh, hopefully those will be ready for uh, Wadapalooza. All right, you know we take our lead from the mothership here. Uh, those of you who made it to the end of the show, yeah, you got to see. A little preview. Um, and uh, like I said, we'll see you at 4 o'clock. Uh, Susan, I'm going to give you a call now. Uh, Caleb, um, <laughs> go climb back into your bunk or wherever. <laughs> go work out for the next five hours. Easy. All right, guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Bye-bye.